Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Nerd Unscripted. This is your host, Tony Ladig, and welcome to another week. We're slowly heading toward spring. I'm very excited about that. It's supposed to be semi-decent out <laughs> today, which I'm going to be working all day, so it didn't really matter. Um, but anyway, uh, today I thought we could... Um, the topic that came to me uh, was called belief barriers. And yesterday, while I was out and about at one point, I just kind of put the question out there, what should I talk about today? And I barely got those words out of my mouth and that phrase popped into my head. So I wrote it down and uh, here we are. But it's a very uh, curious topic. It kind of plays off of what we talked about some last week and um, in some times past. But I think it's really uh, it's really going to serve to be a, an important discussion, perhaps, because it is at the core of everything that we're not doing that we would love to do. <laughs> if we're even aware. And so my view on these belief barriers, this is kind of like a Tony definition, I guess we'll start there, is that a belief barrier is something that exists that prevents us from believing something. And, it, and by saying belief, I'm not necessarily talking about religion or spirituality or anything like that. It could be anything. It could be something that we believe about ourselves. It could be something that we, you know, we believe about a certain group of people or, um, and it literally could be anything, uh, any kind of belief. But the barrier part comes in from the perspective that we believe something so strongly, not necessarily understanding why we do, it just is, that we see it as a matter of fact. And uh, to the point where we become completely unaware that that belief is even there. It's essentially invisible to us. And, uh, but it has a lot of control over us in a lot of different ways. Um, and we'll get to how to identify those kinds of beliefs in a little bit. But one of the things that I realized uh, in my own inner exploration and self-discovery and all of that is that I kept bumping into things that I didn't understand why I couldn't get past them. Like, there were just these things in me. And ultimately, I realized that they were beliefs that... They were just there. I didn't know why they were there. I didn't know how they got there. Um, they were just there. And I was not open for discussion on changing them at all. And to me, I, I see that as a problem. Because what if you're wrong? <laughs> you know, there's, there's kind of that. <laughs> what if you're wrong um, and you're so you're believing something that is uh, that's not true. I mean, we think about fake news today and 
uh, and it's such a you know buzzword. But in reality, these are not unlike that. It's fake news that we believed. Maybe it's a belief about ourselves that will never amount to anything. And a lot of times, I think these beliefs are instilled in us very early on, perhaps, or we pick them up somehow. You know, um, they could be mechanisms of survival. Um, very often, I found, um, but. It's not like to me, it's not enough to have a belief. We think about beliefs and we could change them, you know, um, fairly easily. And I've experienced that. I'm, I'm certain that many, if not all of you have experienced that where at one point in your life, you believe one thing and now you believe the opposite or something completely different or whatever, because you gain further information. Okay. Or you just, you know, on your path to enlightenment, you understood that, you know, some of your beliefs were immature because you were younger and now you, that you've grown and have been open to other possibilities, it's an obvious shift. I mean, I can certainly identify those in my life uh, as well. And what I've also discovered, however, is that there, like, there are these things, these barriers that I keep bumping up against. And... Uh, as I was kind of meditating on this thought uh, earlier, one of the things that that came to mind was how uh, how dangerous belief barriers can be because in many cases we're unaware that they exist. Like we don't even we have a hard time addressing them or dealing with them because we don't even know they're there. They're they're invisible to us. It's like if it were possible, imagine trying to have a conversation with a fish about air. Like they're immersed in water. That is their context, their frame of reference. That's their life. And of course, for the most part, we can't breathe underwater ourselves. We breathe air, you know. So fish will never know what it's like to feel grass unless they commit suicide by jumping out of their bowl or we accidentally drop them or something. Uh, and so they don't know what they don't know. And um, we're often the same way. And we accept things that as true as reality as whatever. Um, and some of these I've discussed before, like, um, you know, we would assume that because granite is hard and it's a rock that obviously it's not living based on our definition of what alive means. And we certainly wouldn't be able to take our hand and just push it through granite like butter. It just, it's impossible, right? Or is it? You know, or is it? Now, we can give all kinds of quirky stories like that, and ba even based on what we talked about in the last session, you know, where we see that it it should be impossible for us to levitate or f to, you know, teleport or all of those things. Like, those are impossible. Uh, and so, in my opinion, our beliefs make them impossible. But that's all well and good, and that's fun, and it's cool to discuss and talk about and everything. But it's when we bring that to home, whenever we bring that to ourselves and we take a look at ourselves, and start considering the question, 
what belief barriers do we have within ourselves that we also see as impossible? I mean, imagine having a structure within our psyche, within our belief system, that is as has as much a powerful influence over us and over our lives as the influence that we have that putting our hand through granite is impossible. Like we just accept that out of you know out of hand. Like, well, yeah. You know, <laughs> of course it's impossible. Go ahead, try. I want to see you try to prove it different. You know, um, and so you take your hand, you whack it against granite, and you break the bones in your hand. And, and so that's offered up as proof. But imagine that in the same context of what we believe about ourselves at that same level of belief. That we just accept it as fact. It is what it is. We're completely unaware of it because it's literally invisible to us because it's that far embedded into our belief system, but yet has this crazy amount of control over what we do. And um, very often, you know, I've thought about, I mean, the big question whenever this idea came to me, and of course I've grappled with this, you know, my own explorations, but like, how do you know it? Like if they're invisible to us, how do we find them? Because I don't know about you, but I don't like anything that has control over me that I'm completely unaware of, you know, or that I can't do anything about. I mean, there are things that we go through life, like the passing of a loved one, for instance, good example, where it's beyond our control. There's not a damn thing we can do about it. We just have to work through the grief and, you know, so on and so forth. But if you don't know that something exists, how on earth are we ever going to address it? And not only that, what's going to happen if we do address it? Like I can very easily see how there's a level of fear that can come into play because we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. So it's the unknown and we tend to fear the unknown. And so, um, you know, what if we're wrong? What if we make a mistake? It's that fight or flight mechanism that kicks in to keep us safe and rightly so to a certain extent, but it can also work against us. You know, uh, there are some things that we need to be protected by through fight or flight. You know, like if a rhinoceros is charging uh, in your general direction, you damn well better turn and run. <laughs> you know, that's fight or flight. Uh, if you're standing on the edge of a cliff and the wind is blowing strong, um, fight or flight could kick in very quickly. Or if you see a bunch of people running your direction and they're carrying clubs and, you know, uh, staffs with fire on them and stuff, <laughs> we're probably going to turn and run the other direction. Uh, fight or flight works that way. And even, you know, we somehow can just tell even with certain kinds of foods, you know, based on smell and sight and all of that, it can kick in, don't eat this, you know, or whatever. And so it's important to pay attention to that until it's not, until it actually becomes a crutch or even worse, it becomes a barrier that prevents us from moving forward. And I, I remember um, my dad years and years ago, 
because uh, this applies in every area of your, your life, really, including spirituality and all of that. And I remember having conversations with my dad about church and church beliefs and all of that. And, you know, I was always one to kind of buck the system. And I think I shared this example before, but it's very appropriate now. Uh, we were talking about heaven and hell and what it takes to to get to either place. And uh, I remember saying to dad, uh, you mean to tell me that if Billy Graham, because he was like the most holy person I could think of at the time, if Billy Graham was out working in his garage and was hammering in a nail and accidentally hit his thumb and said, damn it, and then dropped over dead for whatever random reason that he would not go to heaven like Billy Graham. And dad's like, well, you never know, you know, better to be safe than sorry. And, you know, the whole fire insurance <laughs> concept within the church. And no disrespect to anyone's beliefs, but if the God I'm supposed to serve is going to take a man who lived their entire lives in service and then 30 seconds before he drops dead, he says, damn, and then he goes to hell. That's not just. That's not justice at all. That's certainly not a loving God at all. Um, so to me, that kind of a belief is ludicrous. I, it's just ridiculous to think something like that. And, uh, I mean, I felt it then. It just didn't connect with me. And I certainly believe that now. No disrespect to my dad's memory. But, you know, you work with where you are. Uh, and he certainly had his own barriers. And so, but there are folks, I'm sure you've met them, that believe so wholeheartedly that something is a certain way that it keeps them trapped. And like I said, I'm not a big fan of being trapped. I don't, I don't like that. I mean, there are certainly things, you know, forces that are beyond our control, uh, in our human experience here. Um, and also certainly forces that want to keep us trapped, keep us in fear, you know, religion, government, you know, just to name a couple, education system. Um, because God forbid we ever figure things out because then we're uncontrollable because we know that they're all blowing a bunch of smoke up our skirts, so to speak. Uh, so that can't happen. I mean, imagine if we were all completely awake to what reality is around us based on beliefs. Uh, we'd be unstoppable, uncontrollable. And of course, that can't happen. Um, although I believe eventually it will when I don't know, but I think we'll get there. But in the meanwhile, I want to get there as much as I personally can now. And so there's these barriers and how do you know that they exist? There's a couple different ways that I've discovered that work for me. Um, and I certainly while I may be an authority on belief barriers, having them myself, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't consider uh, that I have all of the strategies for identifying them. I'm still figuring this shit out just like you are. But 
one of the things that I've discovered is whenever we bump up against one, you know, it's kind of like walking around a room trying to figure out where we are. And it's so dark in there that we can't see our hand in front of our face. Very often it's like that. And so we're just, you know, imagine yourself in a room. You can't hear anything. You can't see anything. Complete sensory deprivation. What's the first thing you do? You put your hands out and you, you're reaching. You don't know how big the room is, how small the room is. You don't know if you're safe or not. You're just out there, right? And so you put your hands out and you might walk very slowly and you're trying to find something. You find a wall, you start very carefully feeling around the wall, looking for a light switch, looking for a door, you know, anything like that. Any identifying feature that may stand out to us. So belief barriers are the same way. It's very much like that. We are completely in the dark. We have no idea where the hell we are within these barriers. Uh, we don't even know that they're barriers because we have no way of identifying them. So the first thing we do is put out our hands and um, figuratively speaking. And what I see as our quote unquote hands in identifying these barriers very often is our emotions and feelings. Like we will know that something is wrong but we don't know what it is. We will feel certain things that we can't explain because we have no frame of reference to explain them, but yet we know that there's something there. And I've had that happen again and again. To me, I kind of see it as the first step. Uh, and very often, either tears are attached to it, um, fear might be attached to it, um, but you have no idea what it is, much less the impact that it's having on your life, much less how to get rid of the damn thing, you know, but we're, we're trying to figure out how to use a uh, spiritual sonar, <laughs> if you will, you know, spiritual sonar, just kind of sending out this little beacon, like what is in my path here? And by the way, um, the opposite is also true. You can do the exact same thing. Like there, we could be surrounded by good, but if we don't understand it, we don't believe it, then we, for all intents and purposes, it's invisible to us, right? Like I believe we're immersed in prosperity, that we're immersed in abundance. And yet at the same time, you're sinking financially you're struggling financially, or you look at your bank account and you're like, what the hell is going on? But yet, you know, we're surrounded by abundance. Fine. Prove it to me. Right? So it's the same concept. It's the same belief barrier kind of thing, because ultimately, believe it or not, it does come down to belief. And that's how, uh, once you get to the other side of one of these barriers, you identify it and you figure it out, then there's this calm knowing. And I, you know, I'd love to be able to paint a point A to point B picture for you on how the exact steps to get there, but I can't because it's different for every single person. But I can tell you from personal experience, and I've seen 
Kristen really experienced this as well fairly recently where, you know, she says, it's kind of funny. She says, you know, I should be freaking out right now, but I actually feel calm and peace. And I'm like, exactly. That's where you want to be. And that's what happens where you don't, you can't explain it. You don't know um, how you just know that somehow or another things are going to work out. Things are going to be fine. And it's an important step to take because before you get to there, the other, the flip side of it is, I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know what's available to me and I'm freaking out right now. You know, we're in fear. We're, we're smack dab in the middle of the unknown. And so then we hear somebody say, well, the law of attraction really works or we're immersed in abundance or whatever. And you call bullshit, right? <laughs> like, that obviously does not work. You're crazy. You're a loony bin because that just doesn't work for me. Or, you know, you hear, you read an article or you hear somebody say that, you know, most illnesses are created in the mind and then they physically manifest in our bodies. And you're like, you know, that's just baloney because I've had X for this amount of time and there's no way I manifested this just by my belief system. So these are all barriers because, and here's why, and, and I often say this a lot, you know, you can tell me that I'm crazy all you want, but, and I'm fine with that, but think about it this way. Remember several sessions ago, I was talking about conversations with God, that book series by Neil Donald Walsh. And he talks about these five questions that God asked him. And one of the questions was, what if everything you believed about God, this is my paraphrase, what if everything you ever believed about God was wrong? Okay. So I've used that question a lot as leverage in my life. And so I apply it to everything. So what if you know, you say, ah, oh, you're crazy. You know, I don't care what you say. Abundance is around me. I'm not seeing it. So obviously that's not true. Like, where is it hiding exactly? In the air? Is it in another dimension? I mean, where is it? You know, you can be snarky all day long about it. But um, my challenge to you is, what if you're wrong? You know, what if you're wrong? And how is you know, how is living with that question such a bad thing anyway? Because we all have these beliefs that are hardcore wired into us. Um, some might even argue that they're generational programming hidden in our DNA. But yet it's proven that you can rewrite your own DNA. It's proven. Um, maybe, you know, it's just stuff that you grew up with. I mean, think about it. Here you are you know, uh, a fragile infant born into a new world, you know, it was nice and comfortable and dark and warm. And all of a sudden you're exposed to the cold and all this bright something. And what the hell's going on? <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get some sense of stability and everything. Uh, and then as you're getting a little older, you know, mom and dad are arguing all the time and dad's drinking or whatever. And, you're taken to church and you're told one thing and then you're at home and you witness another 
and on and on it goes and you don't know any better you have no frame of reference right you're a little kid so you don't know you know you don't know that uh, whenever your mom abandons you every freaking day that she's really just going to work to get you know money to buy food so that you can actually have something to eat but for you your mother's leaving you with some stranger what the hell's going on and so through these experiences when we're children and what we witness and all of that it's really no surprise that we would end up with these barriers that we just accept if we're completely if anything completely unaware of it just that's life that's how it is that's what you do you know and then they encounter somebody else who had a different experience growing up and they're like what are you talking about i never had that i never believed that that sounds silly to me because their frame of reference is different their context is different and then you have different cultures that play into that you know and you grow up you know tony's here he's in the uk i'm sure that his culture growing up was uh in in there in the UK was different than growing up here in the US. But what about in India? What about in Australia? You know, of course there's similarities. We're the human race. You know, so there's going to be similarities. But there's also differences that impact us. And it's important to recognize them. And where it can really get dangerous is whenever they become a badge of identity. Because we all have this driving need to identify with something it's something that i've seen in my ex-wife you know um so she grew up uh interacting a lot with her grandfather who um he was a uh, part lakota and he would tell her a lot of the stories whenever she was little and everything and um there were a lot of things going on in her life but she was drawn to that, drawn to that native aspect to the point where it became an identity thing for her. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. Uh, you know, that's fine. But whenever I married her, she was a redhead, you know, uh, just like the rest of her family. They're all redheads. But um, later on in life, especially, well, before we got divorced, but certainly now, because she's married to a Mohawk guy, really cool guy. Um, she has taken the native identity to the extreme to where there's many people who believe that she's full blood, which of course she's not. If anything, maybe eight to 10%, uh, if even that, but, um, so walks the walk, talks the talk, dyes her hair, darkens her skin. I mean, you name it. And again, I'm not here to judge her one way or the other, you know, whatever gets her through the day. But it's an identity that she's assumed. And so to the point where it could be a barrier to her for um, moving into something that would actually allow her to explore more of who she is as a person. Uh, you'll often see certain people identify with um, illnesses the same way. The illness or the drama or the crisis becomes their identity. Spend five minutes on Facebook. You know, you can pick them out like a target. They're there everywhere, you know. All that they do is bitch all day long. You know, they tell you about the latest thing that has happened to them. It's like they're accident prone, 
You know, I don't know why this keeps happening to me. I don't know why I keep dating the same guy over and over and over again. Well, that should be an indicator, you know? I mean, been there, done that, right? Um, and so what prevents us from moving past that? Why do we get in these patterns? It's the programming. It's the barriers. And the barrier, perhaps we are the ones that constructed that barrier as a defense mechanism or to protect us or uh, even more um, dangerously in the name of truth. But what exactly is true? You know, just because something uh, is true from your perspective doesn't mean that it's true. It could be conditional. Or it may not even apply to me at all, but it does apply to you. So it's true for you, but not true for me. And so there's a lot of crazy things like this that we are completely unaware of. Sometimes they don't necessarily harm us. You know, and that's not what they're meant for. And they don't exist maliciously against us. You know, so it's not like that. It's not where, you know, there's evil Tony trying to overtake happy Tony and the evil Tony's winning or vice versa. So, you know, these are um, these barriers are not malicious or anything. If anything, they're they were constructed uh, in most cases by us, well, all cases really by us, but unintentionally in some cases, to protect us. And the protection is, you know, like, thank you, but you're not helping now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like now you're hurting me. The, the thing that was meant to protect is now harming so diffusing these things how to get past these things well one of the discoveries that i made is that because they are belief barriers they can be dismantled instantly if we allow that possibility we have to see that the walls are our own construct one of the methods that i found well before i get to that let me go back to identifying them. So we talked about um, using our emotions uh, to kind of identify that there's something there. And another thing that I found is um, honestly just becoming informed. Like there's a lot of things that I read, and I guess this kind of goes back to emotion, but there's a lot of things that I'll read that I know is going to directly challenge what I believe. Um, not as much now because I've gone through a lot of transformation over the last 10 years, but um, I'll read it because I want to see how I react to it. And if I do react to it at all, I want to know why. Why does this bother me so much? Or if I'm around people and, you know, They've obviously drank the Kool-Aid, if you know what I mean. Like, why does this trouble me so much? Why do these folks bother me so much? Why do I just want to get the hell away as quickly as possible? Like, those are all indicators that something is going on. You know, that maybe we're bumping up against their barriers in some cases. But more so, it comes in the form of limitation. 
where you want to do something, you want to move in a given direction, and you just, it's almost like you're paralyzed. You know, why can't I get past this? You know, it's like um, being tethered to a wall, except that you don't know you are. You know, you feel fine, you feel normal, and then you start walking forward and everything is cool. And then all of a sudden you get to the end of the tether and boom, you're stopped. And you're like, what just happened? <laughs> what in the world's going on here? You look around, everything looks normal, but you don't realize that you're actually in shackles. You know, you're actually in this tether that's keeping you uh, in place from moving forward. Of course, that never occurs to you that you might actually have the key right there in your hand that you could just unlock them and boom, you're free. And so, you know, I see things in my own self uh, constantly. And the different things that I observe have different levels of meaning, different levels of programming. I mean, some of the hot spots, of course, are health and um, finances and relationships. I mean, those are pretty much the three biggies that you'll see this stuff show up in and then Religion uh, would be another one. Um, uh, politics, you know, things like that. Like one that I really observed lately that I've been working through is um, whenever I'm driving. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't call it road rage, but like whenever people are really driving slowly, um, which very often, you know, uh, older folks will drive slower because they don't feel safe driving at the speed limit, or maybe that's just what they're used to. Uh, and then sometimes you have tractor and trailer drivers who drive slow on purpose just to, um, meter traffic because they can, but those kinds of things really get under my skin because I feel like they're wasting my time. They're preventing me from doing what I want to do, which is not speed. I just want to go to the damn speed limit. You know, I'm I'm a pretty big stickler on obeying traffic stuff. So, you know, always use your turn signal, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's who I am. I'm not saying that I never speed. Um, I certainly have one occasion, you know, <laughs> the Mercedes gets up to 80 pretty damn quick and you don't even know. Um, but it's one of those things where I can go from happy to pissed off in a heartbeat. And I just figured, well, you know, stupid people. But in reality, that's not exactly the best excuse. It don't justify it. And so I've been giving a lot of thought to it. Uh, why? You know, why am I reacting this way and how can I not react this way? Like, how can I just learn to be content in this scenario? And, you know, it's, it's been a challenge just figuring it out because there's something that's triggering and I don't know what it is. It's invisible to me. Um, I'll get there. I'll figure it out. And sometimes I am fine. But um, 
I think sometimes the whole stupid people thing gets to me because we are all designed to live at such a higher level than where we do. And some folks don't understand that at all, apparently. <laughs> like, okay, you missed that memo, you know, and I want so much more for people. You know, I want to see people live at their potential and higher. Uh, and very often you just don't see that, you know, because they're sheep, sheeple, you know, whatever. They just follow, they do what they're told. And, you know, so you don't buck the system. You don't go against the establishment. Uh, you don't do any of that stuff. You just nod your head and keep moving forward like you're hypnotized. And I just don't live life that way myself, you know. And, and so consequently, whenever I see um, people trapped in that, I find it frustrating for them, but also frustrating for me. Because <laughs> at times it's kind of like just you know what, just get the hell out of my way uh, and let me do what I need to do. You know, while you're trying to figure out whether you want the hamburger or the hot dog, I'm going to order, you know. Um, and so there is that. Now, one of the things that uh, just kind of going back to working past these blocks that exist, One is acknowledging that they're there. When you discover um, that they're there, uh, or maybe you're not even clear that, you know, that there is something there, but there's obviously something going on and you don't know what it is. You're just bumping up into a wall or something, but you don't have no idea what it is. One of the things that I found can work extremely well is to acknowledge from a positive perspective. So it, it could go something like this. I'm not sure why I keep feeling resistance in this area, fill in the blank. But I acknowledge the fact that it's there and that it's likely there to protect me. And while I appreciate the protection, thank you for protecting me all of this time, but I release you from that protection. It's no longer necessary, no longer needed. So you're acknowledging an emotional construct or belief system that you've built inside you, not even necessarily knowing for sure what it is. You're acknowledging it, giving thanks for that, and then releasing it. It's kind of like cutting ties, if you know what that means, where, you know, you have connections with somebody and uh, you can have like these spiritual bonds with somebody, especially if you're married to them or whatever. Um, so it's kind of like that. And I found that that exercise can be extremely powerful. I remember um, I had to go through that Whenever I was in the cycle of crazy relationships, I remember the last straw, so to speak, the last person that, um, that I was in any kind of relationship with before Kristen. The identifier for me that something was seriously wrong is that I was speaking with her on the phone and... I forget now what we were even talking about, but all of a sudden 
I started physically shaking. Like my nerves and everything was just on point and I was physically shaking. And at the same time, and she's like, like you could hear it in the tone of my voice. And she's like, what's going on with you? What's wrong? And I'm like, I have no idea, but I think I need to go, you know? And so I hung up the phone with her and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, I mean, my body is reacting like kind of a clear indicator of something's wrong. Something's going on, but I didn't know what it was. And ultimately what I came to discover was that it was a protection mechanism that I was bumping up against that was actually keeping me safe. But for me to evolve as a person, uh, I also realized that it was keeping me locked in a cycle. Okay, it was protecting me, yes, but it was also keeping me locked in a cycle. And I really needed to get past that cycle. And in some case, in this particular case, it was also attached to how I viewed myself. You know, and the real Tony. And, and honestly, that experience was the catalyst that put me on the path of discovering real Tony. You know, and if you follow me for a while, you're probably aware of that because it started off with me going to radical leadership, which is where I had the experience of, you know, them stripping everything down and what is left. Uh, that experience. And that was like four or five years ago now. Um, but I was able to break that barrier. I was able to break that cycle completely to where my belief system changed completely regarding relationships that I no longer needed someone to define me. I was already defined. You know, I already had everything I needed. I didn't need anything more. And whenever I accepted that new belief system, no barrier, um, I was super content. And then within two weeks, guess who walked into my life? Kristen. Now, she'd always already been in my life for years because we were friends. But uh, as she would attest, I was very um, cautious. And I, I mean, because I had just gone through this crazy mess, this barrier that I had finally gotten through. Um, I didn't even know what the hell it was. Honestly, I still don't know for sure what it was or how it got constructed there or whatever. Doesn't matter. Um, but I'm thinking, man, I am not going to repeat this again. I just can't. And so I was very withdrawn, very guarded um, when we were first dating. And I was like that probably for a solid six months or more, I'd say. Just because I did not want to reconstruct those walls, you know. I wanted to make sure they were gone. And of course, my experience with her has been nothing like the others at all. Um, it's actually just been best case scenario. And, um, and it's been a good growth process for both of us. So, I've also, so acknowledging that it's there and giving thanks, you know, thanking it for it being there. Um, 
I, I feel is really important because it is, we put it there for the right thing, you know, like, um, I had another example come into my mind, but I'm not going to share it because it's not about me. Um, or it's not my experience, it's someone else's, and I don't want to share that. But where it can be extremely challenging also is whenever you can see that something is amiss and you don't know why. And proof is in the proof, you know. Um, you, it's like you can say all day long that you believe in abundance and all of that, but yet you're struggling week to week and you're making, you know, 20 grand a year or whatever. Um, that's likely not abundance. <laughs> and it depends on your definition, of course, but, um, you know, you can act like a million bucks, but that doesn't mean you're making a million bucks. And even in making a million bucks, what does that exactly mean? And so one of the important conclusions with finance, because that's always a big one for all of us, um, it, I found in times past that it can be really easy to identify our accepted norms, like our job or whatever, as our source, our source of income. And so... Like in my case, being a, um, you know, an online teacher and all of that, when life gets tough, you know, it, it's very easy to fall into the trap of, I need to create a new, another course. Now I create a lot of courses and that's not out of panic. It's because I have a lot that I want to share. Uh, and different types of trainings appeal to different people. I mean, I, I'm smart enough to recognize that not everything is going to appeal to everyone. And that's fine. I'm cool with that. Um, but there was a time where, uh, you know, several years ago where I was in this place of, oh, crap, I need to do something now. Because I recognized or I thought, recognize isn't the right word. I believed that my customers were my source. When in reality, you're not. You're not my source. The universe is my source. And so who am I to limit how money can flow into my business, into my personal life, or whatever? But yet we'll often do that. It becomes a barrier, a belief barrier, because we believe that you know, if we have a regular nine to five job or whatever, and we're making $20 an hour, we accept the fact that that's the limit of our income. And, you know, that $50 or 50 cent an hour raise is how we get more money coming into our household. Or we pick up a part-time job and that's our, you know, we add that to our belief about how we make more money. But those are barriers. They're belief barriers because the reality is we truly are surrounded by abundance. If you don't believe me, walk outside where there's no shortage of air. There's no shortage of grass. There's no shortage of trees unless somebody's cut them all down. There's no shortage of clouds, right? 
we live in an abundant world. And if our world, the earth that we live in, can be abundant by default, then certainly we can as well as a part of this earth, right? I mean, that's just common sense, but it's our beliefs, right? So we, we feel that we're limited in what we believe. And then, you know, it's like a quote that I've shared uh, previously uh, from T. Harv Ecker in the uh, front of his um, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, where he says, Tony paraphrase, that we are the sum total of our five closest friends. And that hit me like a nuclear bomb. You know, it's like, I got to change friends. And I did, you know, I changed my friends and it made a big difference. Uh, and so again, invisible, invisible barrier. It's just there. It's like being living in a dome city and you can't see the dome, but yet it's there like a force field, right? Um, and in essence, it kind of is a force field. It's one that we are creating ourselves and self-generating around us to keep us safe. Except that it's not. It's limiting us in a lot of different ways. And so we see, you know, my customers are my source. My stores are my source. And if we don't get customers in the store and somebody doesn't buy my latest course, then I'm screwed. It's real easy to believe that. Okay. Because if the stores and and you guys are my source. What if I make a misstep? What if I don't, you know, launch something new? Or what if you don't like what I've launched? Or what if it rains? You know, like our retail stores, right? It rained. We have these first Friday events in our local town. And then um, festivals every so often. Every first Friday, but one got rained out. And that was the last one. And every festival that we had... It started raining mid-afternoon, and we can directly attribute um, five-figure loss last year in sales because of rain in our retail stores. So if the stores were our source of income, you know, that's where our money came from, and it rains, we're screwed. Like, completely screwed. You know, unless we figure out how to control weather ourselves, you know. Maybe, you know, we should develop our own damn harp systems and control the weather. Who knows? But um, but that's why it's so important to understand this. Like, you're trapped with when you allow belief barriers to exist. Whether you're aware of them or not, you're trapped. Like, you're programmed by them. You're screwed, kind of. Even though they were there um, for a positive reason, we constructed them to protect ourselves or we constructed them because that's the way you do things. You know, that's what you witnessed growing up as a kid that your parents did or that's the way it is in your culture. You know, you talk to the women instead of the men or vice versa. You know, women are meant to be barefoot and pregnant. Therefore, your job is to be barefoot and pregnant. Um, there's all kinds of barriers like that. Uh, and so for me personally, I'm like out with, you know, spiritual C4, <laughs> putting them on those walls, sledgehammers, you know, whatever I can find just to get rid of them. And uh, so using our emotions, um, Greg Braden, one of the authors that I really like, refers to it um, 
as our emotional guidance system, I think uh, Abraham does the same thing, our emotional guidance system. And uh, Greg Braden's books, by the way, are really good about using our emotions to steer us. Um, but so recognizing emotions, giving thanks to those things. So in essence, you're okay. This sounds kind of crazy, but it just popped into my head. So I'm going to say it. So whenever you're giving thanks to the barriers that are there, in essence, what you're doing is rewriting history. Okay. You're literally going back in time and rewriting history because you're changing it. You think, well, yeah, technically I'm not because I'm changing it today. But understand that at the level we're talking about here, spirit, time doesn't exist. Okay. It doesn't exist at all. So in essence, you are rewriting history. It got you through the moment, but we think, yeah, but I've already lived my life. And so it is what it is, you know, it's gone. And so now I'm just going to turn and look forward. Um, and I think it's important, like from a body position perspective, sometimes like I've done some crazy shit in the name of trying to figure this stuff out, you know, walking around with pairs of scissors, cutting around me, just trying to cut this stuff off of me. I've done, you know, any kind of analogy that you can think of from standing facing a wall and then turning around and walking the other direction just to get my mind in the space of I'm making a change. You know, anything we can do to that end. Uh, it seems wacky. It looks wacky sometimes. People might think you're insane. I mean, hell, I'm teaching and talking, listening to voices in my head. So judge what you want, you know, <laughs> however you want. I can't explain it. It's just there. But um, the more important thing that I've discovered and the reason why I think it's uh, it's important to discuss this is because the barriers that I have been able to smash have been life-changing. I mean, literally changed my business, changed my relationships, changed my health, all of that. Now, it's not to say that it doesn't require planning. You know, it it, this isn't some auto-magical thing that you do. Um, like the girl that I may have shared before, I used to date years ago, first person I dated after my divorce. <laughs> and, you know, she would like put on this meditative music and hold a pyramid on her chest along with, you know, this or that. And just lay in her bed on these like amethyst, um, I don't know what they are, like a blanket, but it's amethyst inside. It's heated, which those are actually kind of cool if you have pain and stuff. Very interesting, but because of the ions and everything. But anyway, so she would lay there with this, lay there with this pyramid on her chest and like this tarot card that meant abundance and all of that. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, he's like, well, you know. I don't really have money to pay my car payment and everything. And so I was just, you know, calling forth abundance. And she wasn't working at the time. And I'm thinking, I didn't say this to her. But I was thinking, maybe you should get off your ass and work. Like, maybe that would change your, 
of lack of abundance, you know? Maybe so, instead of looking to your boyfriend. Um, you know, so I'm not talking about that kind of crazy, all right? Um, because this does require work. It does require effort. Work doesn't have to be hard, okay? You can enjoy it. I love what I do in every level, you know? Um, our retail stores, we were there yesterday. Um, I don't often go into the stores. Uh, Kristen does that more, and we trust our managers, so they do a lot of the work. But we were meeting with an Aflac rep uh, yesterday for possible coverage for our employees and everything. And um, so just walking through Nirvana is awesome. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just love it. Uh, even though the stores aren't making, you know, enough money yet to cover 100% of all their expenses and payroll and all of that, I don't care. You know, I love it. It was a smart decision that we made. It's investing in our community. It's investing in our employees, and I love it. Um, what I teach online, it's getting more diverse, and I'm just telling you now, as we go throughout 2019, what I'm going to be teaching in courses is going to get more diverse. Uh, because we are diverse people. We have a lot of different interests. You know, there comes a point where it can't just be about making money. <laughs> you know, I mean, biz ops sell for sure, but how many freaking biz ops do you need before you make a decision? And pick one and run with it. I mean, quite frankly. Um, so that's why, like, if you're part of Expert Media University and what we kicked off last week, Kristen and I, for the Marketplace Income Machine, thing, which is just a clever name. I think I was, um, you know, I was possessed by the spirit of John Rhodes for a minute whenever I named that. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds like a name he would come up with. But anyway, you know, where we're talking about arbitrage and, you know, buy low, sell high and auctions and all that kind of stuff. It's a legit system that Chris and I are ramping up in some really cool ways, but it's not for everyone. You know, uh, maybe writing books is your thing. Maybe art is your thing. Uh, I like all the things, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, hell, right now I'm buying and selling Stife Bears. You know, maybe I should teach a class on that. But um, anyway, it's fun. So when I say work, it is work. It requires you to put one foot in front of the other to get stuff done. You know, it's like, okay, now that you're armed with this new information about these barriers and how to remove them and how to look for them and all of that, what do you do after? You know, what do you do after they're gone? And recognize that while it does take work for us to do whatever, you know, work in quotes, um, imagine being tenfold more efficient in that work. Imagine your relationships ramping up by a factor of 10. So no longer you're, mess you're dealing with crazy. Now you're dealing with amazing. Right? Imagine that. That's what getting rid of these belief barriers will do for you. You know, no longer are you limiting yourself with these crazy things that may or may not even be true that are, were in place to protect you or just because that's how it is. Um, if they're not serving you any longer, why continue to embrace them? 
That's why I'm a very big fan of questioning everything. Doesn't matter what your political belief system is, question it. Doesn't matter what your spiritual orientation is, question it. Now, when you question it, it may still come out, yeah, yeah, you're right on path. Because, like, for some people, there's some, there are certain um, spiritual belief systems that do not work for me. But they used to. But they no longer serve me now. But other people, they're 100% on board with it. And I'm fine with that. It's not my place to judge. I believe that we're individuals and we lead an individual path. So don't freaking try to homogenize me. Or to, you know, say that I have to be just like you. Because I'm not. You know. Um, and none of us are. You know, we are not freaking sheeple. We're individuals that have more ability than we can ever imagine. All we have to do is get past the barriers to witness that. And to see that and experience in ourselves. And so, for you to say, well, you got to do it this way. No, I don't, you know, and you try to push me in a certain direction, you're going to get a response, you know. Um, what is that, the uh, second law of thermodynamics or one of those? Uh, terror reaction, there's an equal and opposite reaction. <laughs> uh, yeah, that will happen, I can guarantee it. But um, that's my challenge. In questioning everything, even our perception of reality, we may come back with the same answer that we currently believe. That's fine. But what if you don't? It now all of a sudden opens up the chance that something could change. The chance that you could change. And um, any uh, choice is a step forward. Right? Step forward. It's a simple choice. We say choices are simple, uh, and every day we have a new chance, you know, new opportunity to make new choices that could change everything. I, I've said that for years. But I've also discovered I'm smart enough to know that those choices sometimes can be extremely challenging because they go against everything we believe. And then there's fear of, well, what will, the, what will my mom think? What will the family think? You know, am I making the right choice? Am I being deceived? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've been there and done that. Asked all those questions. And you get to the point where, like, quite just, just to be frank, if my mom knew some of the stuff that I've shared in this show, she'd be whacking me up alongside the head and rolling her eyes. <laughs> I'm telling you now. And it would be, Tony, you know better than that. But see, that's her frame of reference. That's her set of belief systems. That just And just because my mom, as much as I love her, just because she's chosen that for herself, doesn't mean that it applies to me just because because I said so you know that doesn't fly with me anymore like whenever I well I was gonna say whenever I kid uh, I was a kid that was different but it actually wasn't like that never flew with me ever <laughs> 
I put my parents through so much just asking questions. Holy cow. And I just haven't stopped. So now I just choose to not bring it up. I'm respectful of my mom. So I'm, you know, it's not my place to try to convince her of something different. It's not my place to, you know, diss her and her beliefs. They're hers. You know, it's my job to respect her as my mother. And I do. It's my job to love her regardless of her beliefs. I mean, she certainly has had influence on me, a positive influence. Uh, same with my dad. And so I'm not talking about disrespecting people. It's like, oh, well, you're not awake or, you know, bless your darling heart. You know, I'm not talking about that. Uh, I believe we need to live lives of respect. Uh, and there's very little of it, it seems, in this world anymore. But by the same token, just because you offer someone respect doesn't mean that you have to drink from their cup. You know? And uh, so... That's all I have. All right. Uh, a couple comments and questions here. We'll go through those. Chris says, I'd love to see the entire world awake like that. It'd be great. I'm with you. I 100% agree. Uh, Jess says, I've come up with a way to visualize our barriers. Take a stack of books, stand and place a book down in front of you every time you say no to a question about a particular subject. It will show you how big you are, uh, how big your barriers are. That's very interesting. And, and I'm glad you shared that because, like I said, I found that like physical enacting, <laughs> you know, of things can help get through our thick skulls sometimes. Uh, when it comes to stuff like that. Tony says, uh, last Friday I was in a live seminar with 15 experienced marketers. The first subject was about beliefs and boundaries, both, um, both ours and our clients. We really got, we all got really into it and went way further than ever before. Brilliant day in this webinar was like a replay of that day in parts. Oh, very cool. Uh, Mark says, like you, it was amazing and troubling to me how fast I could become so angry at stupid driving. So I did the deep dive uh, into it to figure it out. And the answer for me was to interrupt the anger first. So I started saying, thank you for not ending up in a crash. Instead of the usual reaction, then I topped it off with that person is someone's grandchild. And I love my grandkids so much. Just saying grandchild makes me smile. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, you cannot maintain anger if you can really smile. I have mental, uh, a mental image library built of the people, places, and things I love so that I can call up a smile anytime. But of course, there have been drivers so bad that I am sure even their grandparents are angry. <laughs> That's a really great exercise, though. I mean, I like that a lot. I'll have to try that out and uh, see how that works for me. And Jess says, true, we are diverse, but that, um, but that it, uh, it, we must pick one and run with it, for sure. <laughs> Liz says, haha, I like all the things, too. The struggle is real, you know. <laughs> Tony says, that was a sudden, sudden ending. 
I had the exact same thought. Um, it's funny that you actually posted it. But here's the thing. As I've shared before, um, m- most of what I teach on this is taught from a position of um, inspiration. And I get these thoughts. Like, usually in the beginning, it's kind of, it's like priming the pump, so to speak. But then the water starts flowing. Whenever the water stops flowing, so to speak, you know, the inspiration stops. It's it's done. And as I was talking there, all of a sudden, it's like nothing. Like, there literally was a stop in my thinking. So that's why I ended it. I mean, it, it struck me as kind of odd, but... You know, I'm a storyteller, so trust me, I can go on for hours, (laughs) as some of you well know. But that's not our goal here. It's to get to the stuff, deal with it, and move on. Mavis says, excellent session, great reminders about looking at, uh, recognizing, and changing barriers. Thank you. Mark says, how would I react if this was brand new to me? Is the question I've used to replace my auto-reactions. And to some extent, it is uh, kind of being in the present without discarding what has been learned by changing the automatic response to a thought, um, to a thought out one. Yeah, um, those are really good points uh, because we do tend to fly on autopilot and have those automatic responses as opposed to stepping back. I didn't talk about it in this session. I have in others, but you really addressed a key point that is part of this, and that is living in the moment. I know you and I have talked about it before, uh, Mark, but um, that was one of the big changes that happened around the same time that my, you know, transformation part two really started taking effect, which was back in 2012 was that I recognized that I had no idea what that meant to live in the moment, but I needed to figure it out. And I used photography as the mechanism to do that. But um, being present in the moment uh, makes you much more aware of what's going on rather than just being, you know, the normal robot and zombie going through life without even realizing what nurse going on. So that is a, an important distinction for sure. Um, Liz says, great show, Tony. Thank you. You're very welcome. And Kathy says, this was so helpful to me and something I was just thinking about this morning. So thank you for sharing. You're very welcome, Kathy. So that's all I have, folks. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) I hope you have a good week. And uh, we'll get together next Tuesday, of course. Uh, well, it's 11:11, so we will end on that cool number since it means the end anyway. Um, and uh, we'll go from there. So enjoy your week, everyone. We'll talk again soon.